We had everything from the red and white crimson bedroom. We had carpet that was red and white. We had the basketball hoop that said Indiana Hoosiers on it. It doesn't get much more Hoosier than that. A small-town southern Indiana girl born into a family that lived and breathed IU basketball. Of course, I grew up a Bobby Knight fan. Never in Terry Moran's wildest dreams would she imagine coaching on those same Assembly Hall sidelines as Bob Knight. A lot of plays being made, all right? But the only one that really matters is what? The last one. And we made it, all right? We made it. So, really, really happy for you guys. Hoosiers on three. One, two, three. Hoosiers! Terry Morin, her journey from growing up bleeding cream and crimson to leading the IU women's basketball program into a national powerhouse. Head coach Terry Morin, my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast, presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. This whole fascination with basketball started when Terry Morin was a little girl growing up in Seymour. Just ask her dad, Dick Morin. Terry, she set up an obstacle course downstairs in the basement and started dribbling the basketball. Her passion for the game grew from there. Terry led her Seymour Owls to the state championship game, and she was named an Indiana All-Star. Next stop, Purdue, where Terry played for the legendary Lynn Dunn. Coaching came next, Terry always staying close to home, with stints at the University of Indianapolis and Indiana State, before landing her dream job as head women's coach at IU in 2014. And I'm really pleased to be joined on the podcast this week by Terry Morin, the IU women's uh, head basketball coach. And uh, Coach Morin, really appreciate you taking the time to join us because you don't have a lot of free time. You know, people might think, uh, well, this is the off season. You know, you're kind of getting kicking your feet up, uh, not much going on, but you're getting ready to head out of town with USA basketball, right? I sure am. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I was with USA basketball last, last summer as well with the U 16s. And so I headed out on Sunday to Colorado for a week, and then we'll spend the duration or the rest of the, the, the time in Madrid, Spain, which isn't a, bad place to be to play some basketball. Yeah, no kidding. And this is the U19 team? This is the U19 team, yes. And what's that experience like working with a USA team like that? Well, this team is unique, uh, Gary, because it is a combination of women that have already spent a year in college combined with uh, half of them have already had a year of college. The other half are rising seniors. So this is a little bit different from a year ago. All those kids that we coach were going to be uh, freshmen in college. And so that's a unique uh, setup in itself, just because, you know, you have college experienced kids playing with high schoolers. And so, you know, one of the things that's hard is we only have a week of training camp. So, you know, all these other teams over, you know, whether you're from Spain or Argentina or Canada Australia. These are teams that have played together for for some time. I mean, they train together, they play together all year round. So what's different about USA basketball is you try to find the best in in the in the country uh, and you bring them all together and you have a very short stint, a short week of preparation. And then you're, you know, you're you're off to play teams that are veteran 
like I said, have been together, have played together. And so that does make it for an interesting challenge. But, you know, we feel like we have the best basketball in the world. So we obviously are, are fortunate enough that uh, to represent our country, that's a big deal. And it's yes. to play for a gold medal. And so we, uh, we, we, we don't take it lightly. Well, when you get back from Spain, you're going to take your team, the IU Hoosiers, to Greece, right? How, how do you feel about the group uh, uh, that would be heading over to Greece? Well, I'm excited. You know, uh, the NCAA allows us to have a trip like this every four years, and uh, it's it's so good for your team. Uh, you know, you get 10 practices before uh, you head over. Uh, we're going to play two games while we're there, so you really get an early look at your team. Although we have two young ladies that aren't currently with us, uh, one from Finland and one from Israel. Uh, Yarden Garzon, who was a super freshman for us last year, will join us over uh, in Greece. Henna from Finland is is representing her country right now. And so we have two freshmen, a transfer, uh, so some new faces, some vets. But, uh, you know, it it's a great experience. It uh, is a little about basketball. It's probably more about the cultural experience. You know, uh, me included would probably have never had the opportunity to travel over to Greece uh, and that's what it's supposed to be about. We're really grateful that uh, Scott Dolson and Indiana are affording us the opportunity to do it because it, it is a great, it, and again, it's it's memories that we'll have for a lifetime. And uh, yeah. we will talk about it, you know, for some time. Well, you're certainly coming off uh, an amazing year. Uh, what was a really exciting year, 28 and four, first regular season, Big Ten crown, I think, in 40 years, uh, you know, coach of the National Coach of the Year honors. So many accolades, and you just recently, I think uh, maybe a month ago or so, signed a contract extension, well-deserved, making you one of the highest-paid coaches, women's coaches uh, in the country. So that had to feel good, too. It did. You know, for, uh, you know. again, I'm a kid from southern Indiana that grew up in this state and, you know, played at Purdue and has, has, has never really in my coaching career strayed that far away from the state. You know, a lot of what I've done has been right here in Indiana. And uh, the the passion that I have for this state, the love that I have for this state. And I'm really grateful and humbled, you know, that Scott and his staff, you know, want me to stick around for a little longer. And, uh, you know, certainly we've seen, you know, as far as pay raises and, and money involved in women's basketball has certainly increased, uh, I think, across, uh, you know, uh, in all aspects in every conference and so forth. And so, no, it's a good thing. We are, I think now women's basketball is at an all time high in terms of popularity as a sport. Uh, we have more fans, you know, we had a, we had a couple sellouts and Simon's got assembly hall Our, uh, you know, we had a 200, I think percent increase in our fan attendance. And so we we're doing some really special things here in Bloomington and one of the reasons we had such a great year was certainly, you know, I have to give it to our fans. It, this yeah. is, they made Simon Scott Assembly Hall a hard place to come in and win a game. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that pay gap, if you will, uh, between men's coaches and the top mm -hmm. women's coaches such as yourself. You see that shrinking a bit. Do you have, what's your take on that? Uh, it gets a lot of attention. And as you mentioned, it, it seems as though the women's game, I mean, all the buttons are headed in the right direction, uh, right. including perhaps this, this pay issue. Yeah, well, I think it's an interesting time because, uh, you know, in the past, we've always been told uh, the reason why men's salaries are so much higher is because of the ticket prices, right? They're selling tickets. They're putting people in the stands. And now, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we, our sport is gaining a lot of popularity. Our fans are coming out. 
in droves. And so, you know, for the, the idea of us increasing our ticket prices, uh, us, you know, putting people in the stands like the men do, uh, you know, I think that that does will and will warrant a conversation about, OK, where we were, where we have been and where we're going. Uh, and I think you'll see um, those pay gaps from if you're going to compare men and women. And I hate I'd never like to compare be in the, the, the comparing uh, comparison game. I just want to focus on what we do. And I feel like if we're successful, those fans are going to show up, you know, we're going to make more money when you make more money, you know, obviously good things can happen for you and your staff and so forth. And so I do think we're going to see a change and we are, we're gradually, the needle is moving uh, the pay gap. You're absolutely right. It, it should be like that. You know, I'm, I'm excited that I'm, I'm part of it. I'm, I'm part of uh the history of where it was and where it is going right now, because I do think uh, in the future, you're going to see that they're going to be very, not just comparable, but uh, you may even see women being paid more than, than men. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Hey, you you mentioned Simon Scott assembly hall, you know, certainly the product on the court was, was exceptional and, and got a lot of people excited. But what I thought was interesting as you mentioned, was that buzz, that vibe, that feeling around the arena. You see the long lines of fans waiting to get in. What was that like? Describe that as a coach and maybe as your your players experience that because, you know, lots of wins, a great record, all those things. But the the, the excitement around the program seemed to be sky high. Well, it certainly is at all time high. Uh, 2018, when we won our, you know, the WNIT championship, I think that was the springboard, right? They got us uh, some more fans. Men's basketball was, wasn't playing. Uh, and so on that Saturday afternoon, we saw 13,007 fans, you know, show up uh, for that Saturday uh, afternoon contest against a really good Virginia Tech team. Uh, and I kept, you know, saying we, we hosted six, six rounds, six games. Uh, and I kept putting this challenge out to the Bloomington community, the India, you know, the Indianapolis community and surrounding that we could, you know, we needed more fans in the seats in order to keep hosting and sure enough, they kept showing up. And uh, because of that, we gained some other additional fans. This community, and, and again, when you grow up in southern Indiana, but particularly Bloomington with the tradition that it's always had with basketball, uh, you know that we we have you know fans here. They eat, sleep, drink basketball. And so we've, again, we can't go anywhere right now in Bloomington where somebody doesn't recognize our players, myself. Uh, there is a buzz and uh, it's special and our players love it. They uh, they get so much energy from the, the, the crowd that shows up. And I will say this also, Gary, it, it's also a great recruiting tool. Mm. You know, these these young players is you know, they're, they're coming up. They, they want to play in front of fans. They, they want to play in front of fans that have energy and bring excitement and appreciate, you know, the product that we're putting on the floor. So I've had a lot of recruits that have watched us on, you know, on TV and said, wow, your, your, your crowd is unbelievable. That's really, really good for us. Yeah. You're a competitor. So you're going to take any loss hard, your players, competitive, take a loss hard, but uh, talk about that, that, that two point loss to Miami that ended your season prematurely. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people would say before a big crowd there, there at IU, how tough was that, that loss? Well, it was, you know, obviously it was devastating when you, uh, you know, all the, uh, it seems like all the stars are aligned. Uh, and, uh, you know, what a lot of people don't know is that, you know, we have an all American in McKenzie Holmes, uh, she had got injured in the in the Big Ten tournament. 
Uh, she had re-injured her knee. And uh, and so we we sort of limped, if you will, into the NCAA tournament with her. You know, she mm-hmm. she hadn't practiced uh, for about two weeks. And the first game that she played in was the Miami game. No excuse. But, um, you know, she obviously is a big part of um, our team. And so to say that our rhythm was disrupted, there's there's no question uh, that that happened, although you know, we just, uh, you, know, you got to give Miami credit. They really came in and they were aggressive with us. And uh, we didn't, we, we didn't uh, handle ourselves uh, well enough in the first half. I thought we adjusted at halftime, came out in the second half, did a much better job and, uh, you know, just um, couldn't make enough plays down the stretch. Yeah. We kept it interesting and it was, it was devastating. It was heartbreaking you know, it's something that that certainly, you know, fuels us right now because we do feel like we not just let ourselves down, but we let Hoosier Nation down, you know, because of the expectation that was put on this team. You know, you're the number one seed. You're expected to get further than, you know, the round of uh, 32. So, you know, very disappointed. I learned a lot. And, uh, you know, we have to put that in the rearview mirror, I guess. And, uh, you know, we're we're moving on with uh, a lot of motivation. College athletics uh, coach uh, changing in a big way with name, image, likeness, uh, the portal, all those those kinds of things. How has that changed your job? Does it make your job tougher? You're, you're just kind of your your take, your perspective on NIL, the portal, and how that's affecting the game. Well, you know, there's a few things. Uh, it does make it more difficult, the NIL in particular, Just because, you know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, I think where we got it wrong, Gary, is that we never came out. There were there no there were no true guardrails Mm -hmm. to begin with. And I think it's so much easier to start small and then expand. You know, that's the mistake I think was made because, you know, from the SEC to, you know, power, you know, major football programs uh, and we're all, you know, all of us coaches, you know, right now are trying to figure out how to navigate this new world that we're living in with uh, essentially paying our players. Um, But I will say this, I think as important it is to figure out how to navigate the NIL world, it's equally as important that you got to continue. And I'm going kind of into the portal right now, uh, putting your own team, recruiting your, your own, your turn, your current team, uh, because, uh, you know, all of these kids now, you know, are expecting some form of pay, you know, certainly they want an experience. They want to, they want playing time. Uh, but there's also with it, you know, they see player a receiving this and i might be, I might not be a starter. My, I might be coming off the bench or maybe I'm a freshman that sees very little playing time. No, I think there still is this expectation of having opportunities to make some NIL money. Um, and so it's, it's, it's constantly, you know, recruiting your, your own team uh, because you don't, you don't want them to jo- to jump into the portal. We've had kids do that, but uh, look, I want to retain all of our players. I want them to have a great career here. I want them to have a great experience in Indiana. And so whatever I can do to try to help with that, you know, is, is sort of my charge, but uh, my goal is always to retain our players, but we've had to get pretty creative. You know, we're not supposed to be we're not supposed to help and be responsible for our players going out and finding, you know, people that want to, you know, work with them. But, um, you know, it's happening and it's it's uh, really been a challenge recruiting when you're going up. You know, we, we're in a different place in the Alabama's basketball than we were we've ever been. We're one of the considered one of the top teams in the country right now, which means we're recruiting against the top teams in the country and some of which 
are able to offer a significant amount of money, NIL opportunities, money. Um, and so that's that's made it very challenging, uh, you know, for us. Yeah, I just I can't imagine how challenging that that might be. You mentioned the guardrails and a lot of people talk about that, that there will be some parameters put in place. Do you, do you anticipate that happening? How is it going to happen? People say it's going to be Congress, you know, and a lot of people say, boy, that that's maybe not a good idea. But what do you see? Yeah. What do you see happening? You know, I don't know who the decision makers are. There's people out there that are far smarter than I am, but um, there has to be a cap. There just has to be because there's, it's not, it's an un, uh, you know, unlevel playing field if it, there's not. And that's not what the intent of college, college athletics was ever supposed to be about. And again, I'm a little bit older. I'm a more of a traditionalist. And so, you know, it used to be, and I'm, I'm not against paying, you know, helping our, our players and our athletes. I'm not, I'm not against that. But what I am against is, um, you know, some of the Joneses in other conferences having mm-hmm. more, more money in their, in their, in their, uh, you know, kitty to, to give these kids. And uh, I do, I think there has to be a, a, a cap. And I think that would probably help a lot of institutions. And I think it would make us all feel a little bit more comfortable because now we know the money that we're, we're, we're able to work with. Right. And there's a little bit more, I think, order and a little bit more, you know, okay. And, you know, versus, and I hate to use the word wild, wild west, but it kind of is. Yeah, it's just sure. like university A has this much money, B has this much money. And then, and it makes it really hard. But again, I don't know if it's Congress. I don't, I, you know, it's the athletic directors, but I also think it has to be coaches as well, that we are, we have a sure. voice in all of this. And we feel like, you know, this is the way it has to be in order for us all to feel good about paying these guys and these yeah. the money that these these athletes are getting. And so I think it's uh, it's a combination of a lot of people that I think have to come together and agree that this is what's going to be best for college athletics. Certainly, NIL money could be an attractor for for student athletes, but uh, the coach is something that uh, you know uh, student athletes really look at. I think when choosing a program, your your players love your style. How would you describe it? I've seen it described as tough, attention to detail, passionate, competitive. How would you describe your coaching style? Well, I think it's all of those, uh, you know, and I think, I think joy and love have to, you know, um, I love what I get to do every day. I love our staff and, and, you know, we're very, very passionate about our players and, um, you know, I'll say this, all of that is true, but it is bigger than basketball. My goal and my hope is that, uh, you know, we are preparing our kids for life after college and we're having an impact. We're helping them grow, not just as players, uh, you know, but as people. And if you come to Indiana, it's it's always going to be a little bit bigger than basketball, although basketball is pretty big here. But, uh, you know, I want our players to know that they're loved for, they're cared for. We, you know, we, we, we always say we're going to coach them. We're going to coach them hard, but we're going to love them up even harder. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's worked for us. We have a recipe right now because of our work ethic, because we found the right fit. And those are the kids that fit me and my background of being blue collar and sort of stingy. And, and uh, it, you know, and so we, it, it's worked for us. And we keep finding those women that want to come in and just just get a little bit better every day. Yeah. Well, part of that culture, uh, a big part of that culture, uh, I think, is a focus on academics. And all coaches talk about that, or many coaches talk about it. But you seem to really put an emphasis and a fine point on that with the the, the mantra, graduate, win, serve. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Uh, I know, I think the numbers, 
I don't know if they're accurate now, 48 academic all Big Ten players. So the, the proof is in the pudding. It seems to be working. It is. Our first semester this year, we were we had a GPA of 3.6, which is the highest uh, across the board at 20, 24 sports here. And so uh, to say that uh, that's all in the recruiting process, we are trying to find because they are out there, the kids that uh, are certainly talented and skilled, but also you know are passionate about what they do in the classroom. And again, you know, many, many years ago when I was playing, we didn't have the WBA. We do now. There's more opportunities for our women to go you know, uh, overseas and play and make, make great money, play here in the W like Grace Berger is with the Indiana Fever right now. But sooner or later, that ball's going to stop bouncing. I always remind them the ball will eventually stop bouncing. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we can provide here in Indiana is an unbelievable education. You know, this, this place has a tremendous reputation of being one of the best universities uh, in the world. And so that uh, has always been important to me. And look, there's a, there's a common, there's a correlation there between the kids that do well in the classroom and the kids that do well mm-hmm. in our program, uh, because there's a, there's a balance there, but there's also a seriousness of getting their work done in the classroom and getting their work done, um, you know, down there on the floor. Before we go to break, I did want to ask you, you, you talk about uh, the evolution uh, of, of women's basketball with the WNBA, but it, sports and women's sports athletics in general, uh, Title IX, which just recently, I think June 23rd was the 50th anniversary yeah. of the passage of Title IX. I know I talked to your your coach at Purdue, Lynn Dunn, about that, and mm-hmm. certainly she she was playing before you and so the 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 implications were really stark and uh, amazing yeah. she had some interesting comments there but your take on title line the impact that it has had on your life on your career and sure. and how it impacts players today well i'm not sitting here you know it's not for title nine and, and it's funny that you had an opportunity to talk to coach because she was probably our biggest educator you know it wasn't so much from a textbook it was from her own experience of the things that she had to do uh, you know, when she was a player, uh, you know, whether it was washing her uniforms, making her That's uniforms, right. sleeping on the floor of the gymnasium, uh, never traveling, you know. And so every day was an education from Coach Don, you know, regarding Title IX and the significance of of what it meant for women's sports. But I think it, it, it's bigger than just athletics, as mm-hmm. we know. Uh, but, uh, you know, certainly I wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't. It's, having, it's had a huge impact uh, on my career, uh, not just as a player, as, a, as an athlete, but also as a coach. And I do feel a strong uh, sense of, you know, I have to make sure that I'm, I'm doing right by our players, by making sure that, uh, you know, I'm educating them the way that Coach Dunn educated me and never allowing them to forget that this happened because of, you know, this legislation, you know, this, this law that was passed 50 years ago, you know, that uh, has given this opportunity to, to uh participate, but also, uh, you know, be on equal ground with our, our, you know, the men and so forth. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot. And, uh, you know, it seems like because of the celebration, uh, you know, this year of 50 years, but, uh, no, it's uh, obviously is significant. And uh, my charge as a female is to continue to do what I can, you know, to elevate athletics, women's women's athletics as, as well as I can, uh, because I do think, again, another moment where the needle is moving, but we still have work to do. We'll have much more with Coach Terry Morin, her path to the IU job, growing up in Seymour, and a lot more. That's when the Business and Beyond podcast continues. Stay with us.
At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group, Bank. All rights reserved. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC, a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And my guest this week is IU women's basketball head coach, Terry Morin. And coach, um, again, thanks for joining us. You have been, you mentioned, uh, we talked a little bit about Lynn Dunn, uh, but you've been coached over time by some of the legends of the game, really. Your mm-hmm. high school coach, a Hall of Famer, I, I, I believe, Donna Sullivan at Seymour. Mm-hmm. Great basketball tradition there. Lynn yeah. Dunn at Purdue, where you were a four-year starter. How did coaches, those coaches and maybe others, shape you as a coach or a person? Well, you know, starting with uh, Coach Sullivan, you know, and Seymour, she was the first, you know, obviously female coach that um, – I had the opportunity to play for, and, uh, you know, she, she coached volleyball, she coached basketball, she, uh, coached track, you know, she became the assistant athletic director. And so she was really my first mentor, if you will, you know, somebody that I looked up to someone that, uh, you know, helped me at a young age, uh, pushed me to become, you know, pretty decent basketball player that afforded me the opportunity to go to Purdue. And then uh, when I had the opportunity to play for Coach Dunn and Gail Gustin-Force, who was one of her assistants, you know, I really point to Gail as being the person in my life that uh, one, she was a terrific recruiter. She recruited me to get to, to come to Purdue. Uh, but then later when I was trying to figure out, in, you know, what I wanted to do professionally, I always look back to the relationship that I had with Gail and I thought, hey, maybe I wanted to do this, this basketball as a, as a profession. And so, um, you know, sure enough, I got to play for not only a strong, two strong females and Coach Don and, uh, and Gail Gustin Coors. And, uh, you know, they were so significant, you know, and just, just like I'm trying to be right now. I mean, I remember yeah. all, all those lessons that I learned while I was at, you know, Purdue. Is, as soon as you think, you know, and, and, and Coach Sullivan, was a terrific coach as well, really challenged us and pushed us. But uh, as my freshmen are finding, as soon as you get to that next level, there's a whole nother level of heart. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I found that out when I went to Purdue and played for, for coach and, and Gail and, um, you know, just the impact. But again, it's it just like uh, here, Gary, I mean, it, it was always more than just basketball for coach and uh, for Coach Don, I mean, she really wanted us to, as I mentioned, the education part of it. She wanted us to be well-rounded. She wanted us to to be able to leave Purdue with um, not just, you know, uh, tools that we could function away from Purdue. But she pushed us. She was, um, you know, she was hard on us, but she also cared about us. And, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of the things, uh, not all of them, but a lot of the things that uh, ways that Coach Don got the best out of us. Uh, certainly use them with with our teams here in Indiana. I read where your mom wanted you to emulate the legend from Tennessee, Pat Summit, right? Yeah, she did. You know, because again, this is back in the day in high school when, again, women's basketball wasn't quite as popular as it is now. And so you didn't have 
as many games on TV. And if it was, if you did have a game on a women's game on TV, that was a big deal. Uh, and I remember, you know, if there was going to be a, a game on, on ESPN or maybe uh, not even ESPN, maybe it was CBS. I don't know if we had ESPN back when I was in high school, but that was a big deal. And, uh, and I just remember, you know, watching Coach Summit coach and uh, just how fiery she was. And then, of course, I've read every one of her books. And uh, my mom always said, now that is a, that's a classy lady, but she can still be tough and hard and get the best out of her, her players. But yet she was always dressed, you know, to the nines and in all of her outfits. And so my mom always used to say, if you're going to get into this profession, I, who I want you to, to be like is... Pat had summit. Yeah. Also read, uh, I, I know just a couple of months after you got the IU job, a pinnacle, you know, get for you, a job for you, your your mom passed away uh, from ALS. Yeah. And I, I know, I can only imagine that had to be s- such a, a challenging time for you, you know, the height of excitement yeah. getting the IU job and then, then that yeah. difficult situation as well. How, how'd you get through that? Well, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, that first year was, was a little bit of a blur, uh, you know, for, for me, but, you know, I, again, I think one of the the blessings was, you know, at least she did know that I was at Indiana Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think she was well aware that, um, you know, that was a dream job for me, you know, to be back in Indiana, back, uh, at an institution or the conference that I played in close enough to see more aware, Um, My father, you know, was going to be able and my sister and then a lot of Seymour could come and support us. And so, you know, I think there was, you know, some some blessings there in terms of her knowing that this is this is where we were going to be. But, um, you know, she she passed away from ALS and it's it's one of the more awful, you know, diseases, as we know, know, doesn't affect your mind, but it affects everything else. And so really, really hard. But um I think who I am is because of her. Growing up in Seymour, uh, it's something else I read, and I thought it was so typical of a Hoosier youngster. You went to church on Sundays, grandma's house for lunch, Bob <laughs> Knight show, Hoosier basketball. I mean, that's, <laughs> that is quintessential yeah. Hoosier. Yeah. What do you remember about growing up in Seymour? You you also forgot that after Bobby Knight show, then Martha the Mock Lady would oh. come in the hallway, and then the game would start. But, right, yeah. Again, that's what we did. You know, that's all we knew. And, and, uh, and, you know, if you grow up in Southern Indiana, you are an Indiana fan. If you grow up in the Northern part, you're a Purdue fan. And, you know, really this was because of my love affair with basketball. You know, I, uh, just sort of gravitated to Indiana and Bobby Knight. I loved, uh, Steve Alford was, a you know, uh, you know, sort of a childhood, you know, uh, you know, just dream to watch, you know, yeah. play. And, uh, you know, although Indiana women's basketball certainly didn't have the relevancy that, uh, you know, there was no tradition. Everything that we did was was surrounded, uh, you know, around Indiana basketball. And I had the hoop, I had, you name it, you know, we had the carpet, you know, cream and crimson carpet. I had everything, but I never dreamed that um, one day I would be sitting here as the Indiana uh, head women's basketball coach. You went to Purdue, four-year starter uh, at Purdue. What was the recruiting process like? Did you consider consider other schools, or what was that? Uh, what was that like? Yeah, you know, I did. Obviously, I got recruited by um, a lot of the a lot of the schools here in the state of Indiana. I played on a really good. Uh, now, again, the the summer circuit now AAU yeah. now is a lot different when I yeah. was in 
school, but uh, played on her very, very, very good AU team. And uh, we had a lot of Division One players, athletes, prospects on that team. And so I, I knew this, Gary. I know I didn't want to go very far from home. You know, I'm, I am uh, really about my faith and my family and wanted my family to be able to be a part of, you know, my next journey and wanted them to, to, to be able to come watch me play. So I knew that I was not looking to get that far, you know, uh, out of the state of Indiana and uh, had an opportunity to go to any of the schools I wanted to in the state. I chose Purdue because of uh, Lynn Dunn was there. Gail Gus, of course, like I said, she was the lead recruiter on me. I would have gone anywhere that Gail went just because of our friendship, our relationship. And, you know, this is from what I do. I mean, relationships are everything. And, uh, you know, the players that we we get you can say, uh, we can all say we, we're really good coaches, but at the end of the day, it always comes down to the talent that you have and the players yep. that you have. And it was, um, you know, didn't uh, at that time you could take your five visits. Uh, I took one visit to Purdue and I was done. I was sold mm-hmm. after that. So, uh, and the other thing I'll say is this is how clever and uh, creative Purdue was. Gail, I would I should say, is my brother was a freshman at the time at Butler. And again, going back to my roots, my family, how important they were. Scott was uh, interested in pharmacy and just so happens that Purdue has a really good pharmacy school sure, as yeah. well. And so uh, Gail was just smart enough to say, why don't you bring your brother up on this trip? So he came up on that, uh, the, the recruiting trip and, uh, and instead of just getting one more and she got two, my brother. Uh, that's great. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's outstanding. Well, your coaching career is essentially been in Indiana, right? You started, right. Did you start at UND. Yeah. I'm an Indiana state grad. I was at uh, ISU when Larry Bird was there. So I had, that was a great, right. a great time. So you coached yeah. four, I think four seasons at ISU. Talk about those yeah. uh, early stops and how they kind of crafted you uh, into the coach who are today. Well, and I'll say this, you know, I started my career as an assistant at Butler. At Butler. So I was at okay. Butler University yeah. for six years uh, and I uh, was under June Olkowski, who was my boss. And in our business, if you win, you get other opportunities. And so uh, we had the opportunity to go to Northwestern uh, up in Evanston for one short year. And then I was at a crossroads in my my profession or my, my life going, do I need to, should I stay here for uh, and continue to work for June? Should I go get another experience or perhaps am I ready for a head job? We always think we're ready. We're never ready. But <laughs> the University of Indianapolis came available and I went down there and uh, applied and was offered the job and spent seven unbelievable seasons making a lot of mistakes as a first year head coach. Um, but I did it around great people that were supportive uh, and we built we built a really, really nice program there. And then uh, again, came to another crossroads. OK, I need I need to be stretched a little bit. I need to grow. Went to Georgia Tech uh, for three seasons, had to prepare against some of the best teams in the ACC and did that for three seasons and then came back to Indiana State and, um, you know, coached there for four uh, before I left, we had won a conference championship. So again, had to rebuild. It doesn't seem like any of my stops I've been able just to kind of slide in and, and it's, it, it they've all been rebuilt and um, Indiana included. And so, uh, and I just think it's, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I am a person that thinks, you know, what's meant to be is meant to be. And I think it's meant to be all those stops that I've made, uh, you know, for a reason. And, um, it's it's been but it's been great to be again represent this state. Final question: what, What's next? You know, I'm a firm believer in the old saying. You know, if you're not getting better, 
you know, you, you're getting worse. You know, you can't stay the same. Right. You right. achieve so much uh, as a team uh, last year in these last couple of seasons, but especially last year. How do you stay focused, keep that edge, you personally as coach, but also your players? Well, again, you know, every day there, you know, the clock resets and, uh, you know, we just try to get a little bit better. Uh, we have a taste of it, you know, um, in COVID, you know, we had to, we were in elite eight team. We were one game away from a final four. Um, and so I think that's what drives us every day. That's what motivates us. You know, certainly we came up short. So, uh, you know, this past year, and so we still have work to do. And uh, that's my reminder for our players all the time. The goal in this, in this program is to win a Big Ten championship and it's to, to win a national championship. Uh, I've always been a firm believer. I've never been shy about saying that to the media. Even when I got here, people would shake their head and say, you know, I, you know that's a pipe dream for, for Warren because Indiana yeah. women's basketball has never, you know, been that significant. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, here we are. You know, just come off winning a Big Ten championship. And I do believe uh, that uh, we have everything we need here at Indiana to be successful, but we're going to continue to have to be able to recruit those high-level players. We're not for everybody, but we are for those uh, stingy, hard-nosed, blue-collar players that, uh, you know, want to want to come into a program where um, – as I mentioned, we're going to we're going to coach you hard. We're going to love you even harder. But, uh, you know, you have to kind of come in here with, uh, you know, we're, you know, a little chip on your shoulder as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, my roots are what has gotten me here. Uh, as, as Coach Dunn used to say all the time, you know, if, you, if you're through learning, you're through or if you're done learning, you're done, you know. And so I try to stay as curious as I can. Uh, every day. And I, I get it. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I am far from being, uh, you know, one of the, the best coaches in the country, but I think what we do around here is we try real hard. I know I do. I'm always trying to stretch myself uh, to grow and get better. And, you know, I hope that I can translate that and encourage our kids to do the same, always stay curious. And yeah. uh, now we're just, we're just trying to get a little bit better uh, here every day, like I said, Gary, but uh, I love this team. I love the returners we have. I think we have another, um, you know, year of really looking forward to doing something special here in Simon's Gun Assembly Hall. IU head women's basketball coach, Terry Moore and coach, uh, it has been a real treat to have yeah. you on the podcast. And I know I speak for IU fans, Purdue fans as well, and fans of basketball in general, that it's great to have you here in the state of Indiana. Thanks for joining us, and good luck in the season ahead. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. All right. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes, more than 120 episodes, and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.